So uh, I'm going to share a little bit about uh, Majjhima Nikaya 131 and 133, a single excellent night. And by the way, this Majjhima Nikaya, for those of you who don't know, it's it's the um, middle-length discourses of the Buddha. So it's one of the sections of suttas. It's very accessible. They're very much stories. It's a, it's a in some ways, the most readable collection and some of the most important suttas are in there. So the essence of what these focus on is just this question, like, what do I do today? You know, that's that's what we got. And that's where the practice just lands us. What do I do today? Because we can get kind of lost in the, the, the linearity, you know, the consecutiveness of things, of our lives and of our practice and how how we work with that. I'm going to mute you there, Coley. And I'm going to try to. There we go. And and forget to keep really focusing on this moment, this single excellent day, because that's the one we got. That's where change happens. And this is really, they're very interesting. Suttas, it's really unusual to have two that kind of complement each other in in such a way. And it's also unusual because there's a certain way in which a second one slightly disagrees with the first one, and that's okay, because they complement each other. But it's kind of, it's almost like one of those, um, you know, Navajo rugs has got a few imperfections or irregularities that makes you kind of look deeper. So what's the same in both of them, and and I'm going to read a little bit, because they're not very long. And the wording is amazing. What the Buddha said is amazing. So I'm going to read a little bit and then kind of parse it out and see if that's, if that's helpful. Um, his, he states the focus on the present moment in a really powerful way. He says, let not a person revive the past or on the, fil- or on the future build his hopes. For the past has been left behind and the future has not been reached. Instead, let him with insight See each presently arisen state. Let him know and be sure of it, invincibly, unshakably. Isn't that powerful? So let's kind of break this down a little bit. So let not a person revive the past, for the past has been left behind. And I'm not, I'm no Pali scholar, so I don't know what the Pali word translated as revive is, but that's, is such an interesting word because Revive the past. It's not like remembering the past. It's like you bring it up and make it alive. You know, that's obviously what it's getting at. And that's where it gets sticky when we think about the past and let it invade being here or complicate being here, compromise being here. So he's not saying we shouldn't remember the past. That's relevant. You know, it's part of how we understand where we're going, but not to get confused about past and present, and not to adhere to the past in a way that keeps us from being here. And we all know that's what comes up in practice a lot. We get into the past, we we revive the past. That's when it gets sticky, you know? Tell some story, something, some error we made, some way we've been hurt, some longing we have, and it's alive in us, in this moment. So to really cop to that, <laughs> to really be aware that that's what's happening and 
bring our mindfulness to that when it's happening. That's how we cut through that. Because this is a place, it's one of those places where you can really keep monitoring your mindfulness and bring it back, bring it back. You know, it's not, as we're always saying, it's, this is about being mindful of whatever is primary. And if right at that moment you're in the past, you're thinking to be mindful that you're thinking about the past now and just pull it right back into the present. Thinking, thinking, thinking about the past, but thinking right now. Because it's so easy to get identified and lost and then all that stickiness happens. And then we concretize around whatever it is we may be remembering that's powerful enough for us to re- for it to revive in us, even if it was 40 years ago <laughs> or 50 or whatever it's been, you know, long, long, long time, totally gone, except when we revive it. So to really see that is, is powerful. And when we do that, you know, when we revive the past, we're building a sense of self. That's the problem or part of the problem, center of the problem is we're concretizing. It's, it's all, it's all about me, right? I'm remembering what happened to me at that time. And it's all about that. And have you ever, I mean, one thing I've, this helped me a lot around this area is when I find, when I found there's a certain, you know, repeating story or something, or something that's got a lot of, a lot of zap for me. And then I've really looked hard at the fact that it's, this isn't like a concrete circumstance that everyone would agree that's what happened. This is uniquely mine. Even if I was in exactly the same place, like I was in New York City on 9-11, I remember certain things, you know, not being able to breathe in Brooklyn, or I remember certain things, staring across the East River at the burning towers. But it's a certain way I remember it that nobody else in the, of the 9 million people in New York remembers it that way. It's completely personal. And to really see that, it's really kind of humbling. I mean, it's also kind of amusing because the very things that are most powerful to us, you know, something in high school where you were in love or you were someone didn't like you, whatever, this kind of little bit of burn in your heart that was completely in our own personal sphere. Once you see that, you can start to let go of it because you realize it's not an objective thing. It's just our response. That's what we're sticking to. You know, it's just the pattern. That's what we're adhered to. That's what we're reviving. So I I think that's worth worth checking when we're doing that, because we need to be here. Work with the past, unpack it, you know, do what we got to do, but in terms of being, cultivating our mindfulness and in practice, keep coming back, keep coming back, and, and know that when we're Reviving the past when it's coming up, it's happening in the present, in this single excellent night. That's what's happening. That's where we can gain insight into who we are and what we are and what that was right in this moment now. And the future, I mean, that's, 
even more subjective because there's no discrete chronological events to base it on. You know, the past, there's history books, at least everyone agrees there was a 9-11 future. God knows. <laughs> What's going to happen? Probably more than any time in ever, we don't know what 20 years, 30 years, 40 years will look like or for. So it's just so subjective. And to really, really work with that, and, and maybe that it's a little bit what's, you know, for Goldie's friends. I mean, I'm, God knows there must be a lot of fear. You know, what's going to happen to Ukraine? What's going to happen? I mean, everything. Their kids, their family, the whole deal. But we don't know. And so all we got is now. And to really just get our hearts around that, it's it's powerful. It's really powerful because the Buddha said, instead, let him with insight, instead with insight, let him see each presently arisen state. Let him know that and be sure of it, invincibly, unshakably. So so a couple of very interesting things. He says, each presently arisen state. So he's not talking about, you know, being mindful of breath. He's talking about a, a basically a mind state, you know, that which we're in, and to be with insight, see it. Isn't that cool? I mean, we're not just looking at it and kind of getting lost in it or, or tripping out on the story. We're bringing insight to it, that presently arisen state, the very thing that, w- that we want to revive is the very thing, that state, that will bring insight. And he's, he's bidding us do that. And he says... And forgive forgive the male the male pronouns I I didn't get them out but let one know that and be sure of it invincibly unshakably isn't that such powerful language invincibly like cannot be taken down if we can do our work you know do our work on the cushion do our work in the middle of life there's there's power there. You know, look at those monastics, those clear mountain monastics. I mean, a certain way, they're they're homeless people. They got nothing, you know. But there's this brightness to them. There's a sense of invincibility to them. Monastics in general are just they're like unstoppable because they've shed so many circumstances that we might think, oh, this problem, that problem. It's like it's all gone. <laughs> so it just comes down to this essential intent. It's it's pretty cool. But we can start this, you know, as 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 we cut through, because a lot of times what what takes us out is fear about the future or difficulties about the past. Most human beings don't spend a whole lot of time in the present. You know, in the course of 24 hours, they're off pasting and futuring most of the time. So if they can really just land in the present, the present, the present. And really, and bring insight into that, as he's saying, that gets to be invincible because pretty much no matter what, as long as you're alive, you know, and if you're dead, then you're dead and maybe you'll come around again, maybe not. But as long as you're alive, no matter what's happening, there's invincibility there and unshakable. And that's so amazing. You know, it, it, it's, it's like, um, the, the, the blend of, of, of insight he's talking about. And it shows you what equanimity really is. It's not like placid pool, you know, until it starts raining. It's like unshakable. That's what equanimity is, because you see through the conditional circumstances that might 
take us out, derail us. And that's what's so powerful about this single excellent night. I mean, so really, it's almost like a little, you know, a mantra or a, or a aphorism you could bring into your life or stick it on your refrigerator or something and just say, yeah, this single excellent day or night I'm in. This is it. This is it. I write stuff and then I end up saying what I was, what I wrote down. So I'm just kind of scrolling through it, seeing if I missed anything. That's kind of my, <laughs> I, I can't believe Ajahn Nisabo just does that without anything. He's like, oh my God, I bow to that. I cannot do that. Maybe someday, <laughs> but it's okay. So, so this unshakable invincibility, we find it. In, in our practice. And, and I think it's, you know, it's sometimes I've really been, how do I say, in my own practice, I've been doing a lot of work recently, sort of reformulating, restating what I'm doing and where it's taking me. Like really just, I keep on kind of looking at it again. I literally made down a list today of why am I practicing? What am I, what am I trying to do? And I think it's really important to do that because otherwise, you know, we kind of sit still for 30 minutes and then we got to know why we're doing it. And, and, and we'll start to see more clearly why we're doing it as time goes on. So this sense of invincible and unshakable will grow in us. And then it goes this step forward in warning us of the alternatives. The Buddha says, today the effort must be made. Tomorrow, death may come. Who knows? No bargain with mortality can keep him and his hordes away. But one who dwells thus ardently, relentlessly, by day, by night, is he, the peaceful sage has said, who has had a single excellent night. So that's, that's pretty intense. Because we got to do it today. Because tomorrow, death may come. And we all know ridiculous situations of people who suddenly died, right? Completely surprising. I mean, it's no secret like Susan's, Susan Pell, she's one of the uh, local Dharma leaders. She's talked about this quite openly, so I'm not saying anything untoward, but her very healthy, vibrant partner went out for a run and they were making a big dinner for all these guests and he had an aneurysm and boom, he was gone out on the trail. She didn't even know. He didn't, he didn't come back, <laughs> you know, until she found out like an hour later that he was dead all of a sudden. And, and my men's group, I had a men's group. I'm in a men's group. I've been in it, oh my God, since 1991 or four of us. And we had a meeting one night and the youngest one didn't show up. And we thought, oh gosh, Jeff must have forgotten. He was Spaced it out, found out he died. He just like, he was out cycling, boom, he died. And he was the youngest one. (laughs) So you just don't know. So this stuff drives us to really take the practice, this one, you know, this single excellent night when you're sitting down. I've had so many teachers say, 
this might be the last one. Just think that. This may be the last one. I used to have it on my altar. Now I remember it. But to think of it that way. Anytime you're on cruise control, just go, yep, maybe the last one. How am I going to, how would I do if I knew that was the last one? Because it might be. No bargain with mortality can keep him and his words away. So this isn't gruesome. We all know that. There's no surprise, but let it perk up, (laughs) invigorate our practice to make this day the single excellent one. But he, one who dwells thus ardently, it's that word ardent, you know, it's in the uh, Satipatthana Sutta that we should be ardent in our practice relentlessly by day, by night. So, right, it's not just the 30 minutes when we're sitting on the cushion. It's like mindful all the time, as much as we can, in every way we possibly can. Picking up the thing on the grocery counter, being mindful when we're in a debate with the person we love the most who's being a complete butthead. But that's the moment we got to do it. Just that moment. Can't blame them. Whatever, there's no such thing. That's the moment to be mindful. Aware, you know, relentlessly, by day, by night. And it is he, the peaceful sage has said. It's funny, he puts it in this third person. It's funny, he uses that term, peaceful sage, essentially to describe himself, I guess, who has had a single excellent night. So that's the, that's the ever possibility, but it's in the context of difficulty peaceful sage in the context of the gnarliness of life. You know, 2024 does seem very strange, but we can't forget, if you look at history, I mean, there have been so many times when there were just massive dislocations and wars, you know, Genghis Khan, the French Reformation, the plague in the 14th century, I think it was, or 13th in Europe. I mean, there's times when people were just hammered by circumstance in extraordinary ways. So this is, this is hard and certainly a lot harder if we were in the Ukraine or Gaza or many other places, but still, this is not never, not, not ever happened before that life was really, really hard, and that we on the path are driven to just be in the moment that we're in, because that's the single excellent night. So there's kind of three things that he talks about in the suttas. This this first one we talked about quite a bit now, not reviving the past, not finding delight. He He broadens that out in terms of it's interesting, not finding delight in the past. And you can kind of see in this context, there's a sense of, it's, it's interesting that we often think in the past in terms of the difficulties with Dharma, in terms of traumas that we're trying to unpack. But here he's saying, no, find delight. That's like the flip side, you know, how it's easier to practice with difficulty than with happiness, because with happiness, we just get all coasty and happy and let's just keep having fun and forget about practice or anything. So he's saying, don't, don't find delight in it. 
Don't revive the light. Don't get stuck in that. He says, thinking I had such material form in the past, one finds delight in that. And we've, you know, we had some good times, I bet most of us, yeah, I hope, uh, along the way. But we can get pretty, pretty nostalgic or sticky about that in a different way that also takes us away from this one, especially if we're getting older. You know, a lot of times people get pretty, pretty, uh, stuck on when they were young and fresh. <laughs> and now they're not. And what do you do? You know, but, um, one wastes one time if one does that. You know, a passing enjoyment and then don't let it go. And the sutta says the solution is thinking I had such material form in the past, one does not find delight in that. Thinking I had such feeling in the past, one does not find delight in that. It just goes through this whole list of things not to delight in because that takes us away from the single excellent night. And it's just that stickiness, you know, just kind of look out for whatever's sticky. If it's a delight or if it's wallowing or if it's being, you know, hanging on to some trauma, let it go, let it go, let it go, not clinging. Yeah, I just that, you know, that I think that's really helped me with things that were really charged that I've tended to stick to and then just realized it's completely a personal experience that I had that's A, completely gone, but B, it wasn't circumstantial, it was just in me. So to really understand that, just let go of the circumstance, the memory, the reviving, and see what I can find, how I can do do the spiritual journey to find happiness now. And then it's in the last two things that in, in MN131, the first one, the Buddha takes us into the power of mindfulness of the skandhas. It's very interesting. The skandhas, for you don't know, it's also called the aggregates or the khandhas in Pali, but that's the five aspects from which we make up a sense of self. We sort of create, it's sort of like Buddhist psychology. We create a sense of self and they are body, vedanas, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. And from those five things, we create a sense of self. And the problem is that when we think they're the self, then we get stuck. He says, how, how bhikkhus is one vanquished in regard to presently arisen states? Here bhikkhu, an untaught ordinary person, regards material form as self, or self as possessed of material form, or material form as in self, or self as a material form. Then he goes through all, all five skandhas. But vanquished, isn't that a great word? That we're vanquished if we succumb to thinking that's us. Or, or to put it a different way, if we don't keep cultivating mindfulness of those aspects and keep seeing through it. Because this sense of self, that's the very thing that's stuck in the past and stuck in the future. You know, that's sort of what we've been exploring here, that when we're reviving, we're reviving a sense of self that had an experience. That's what we're sticking to. And the Vedanas, the, the, the skandhas, skandhas, skandhas can really help us 
see through it. Skandhas are Sanskrit, Skandhas is Pali. But there's a way out. And the way out, the Buddha says, and how bhikkhus is one invincible in regard to presently arisen states? Here bhikkhus, a well-taught noble disciple does not regard material form as self or self as possessed as material form. Does not regard feeling as self, perception as self, formations or consciousness as self. That is how one is invincible in regard to presently arisen states. So it's really worth really worth exploring. When we're when we're mindfully aware of them, then we don't get stuck. And then in the second, we're almost done. In the second of these suttas, MN one thirty three, he touches on the same points. This is really it's really very amusing this sutta because it starts off with this exchange between a monk, venerable Samadhi, and a radiant deity. There's always radiant deities popping up in the whole, it's like night and the whole area becomes light from this radiant deity. But they're debating, <laughs> they're debating what it was the Buddha said in, in 131 or in that previous talk. They're having this discussion about it. What did he say? And so it's really funny. And they know it was really important, but they can't remember what it was. You know. And, um, so they, they don't quite know what to do. Um, the, the deity says the summary and exposition of one who has had of one who has one fortunate attachment, which is another way of saying the excellent night, is beneficial. It belongs to the fundamentals of the holy life. So they got that straight. So Samiti, Samadhi, I think it was Samiti, goes and asks the Buddha. He said, "Well, okay, what did you say just back there when you said this thing?" And this is one of those times when it's like this whole, you've probably run into this in the suttas where the Buddha will give these incredibly short talks and then he leaves. You ever seen that? It's really funny. He'll give this incredibly short and then he goes into his hut and everyone's going, uh, 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 what, what does that mean? What are we supposed to do with that? So he does it, even though the first time he really explained it, this time he doesn't. So I just kind of love this. It's so bizarre. <laughs> um, So, yeah, right, he does that. And then, so they go to, uh, Venerable Mahakasana. This is the downside of reading things that I do not know how to pronounce. But he's one of the great bhikkhus from that time. He's considered the master of clarifying the Buddha's brief, brief statements. <laughs> Isn't that great? He's the master of clarifying the Buddha's brief statements. So he's the man. He's the man. And they said, well, what did he mean? He, it's, it's, he basically said that very, that, that pithy stuff right at the beginning. The Buddha says that and then, go, then leaves. And so this gentleman, he says that he refers to the six sense doors. He takes a whole different approach. And he says, my eye must thus be in the future and forms me, forms may be thus. Setting one's heart on obtaining what has not been obtained. So he kind of puts it in terms of our sense doors and the things that we think we want to see or hear or experience or taste or whatever. And freedom, how do you find that? Thinking, my eye, my eye may be thus in the future and forms may be thus. One does not set one's heart on obtaining what has not yet been obtained. Because one does not set one's heart thus, one does not delight in that. When not, when one does not delight in that, 
one does not build hope upon the future. So it's taking us to the same place, just using a different doorway of the sense doors instead of the skandhas. And he does the whole thing in the in the present. So, um, and so the bhikkhus always in the suttas, then they go back to the Buddha and they say, oh, here's what he said about what you said, and they'll reiterate the whole thing. And the Buddha says, yes, yes, exactly. He generally says, yes, that's not always, but he generally says, yes, that's exactly right. He says, in this case, he says, Maha Kanaka is wise. He has great wisdom. If you had asked me the meaning of this, I would have explained it to you in the same way. So here we have two different renditions, the, 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 the one about the uh, skandhas and the one about the sense doors about how we get stuck in the past and how we get stuck in the future. And I think this factors too, it's actually helpful. It kind of broadens it out, you know, because we can really work with that. You know, Th- think about our our memories or of, of the past and how we create selfhood around those or how we often are attached to some remembrance of a taste or experience or a feel or, a, you know, an embrace, whatever it is, a very sensory kind of thing that we would like to recreate again. Or in the future, we might fear never having that again. I don't know. So the point of all this is to come back to this single excellent night. There's no past and no future. There's no things worth adhering to. There's no inherent self that adheres. We see through the fallacy of time, the fallacy of grasping, and the fallacy of selfing. And together, all those fallacies fall away and bring us to this, which is where we are anyway. We just get confused. So, as a takeaway, when we're practicing, you know, in the morning, whatever you do, think about how powerful this is to just say, this is, this is the one. This is the single excellent night that I got right now. And it'll help us not get diverted by past and future, by selfing, by sense doors, by any of that. Help us be in that invincible, bringing insight to everything that arises. Let me just sit for a moment.